0: Again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time, looking at Mid South Wrestling television from December 18th, 1982, taped on December 8th, 1982, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. Our hosts this week, Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Of course, I am the great Brian Last, and the man joining me, as he does each and every week, to review this week of Mid South Wrestling. Your friend and mine, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? Another exciting week of Mid South wrestling in front of us.
1: I'm doing great. You know, I want to point out real quick, we are we're on Hank Watch. If uh You've been listening to us this whole time and not just dropping in just for December 18th, 1982. Our buddy Hank is still to the far left and in the second row where we can barely see him. So I wanted to get that out the way in the opening. That way we don't uh, miss out on Hank during our Hank watch, Brian.
0: And that's actually how our Hank watch will end for 1982 because this is the second week of the television taping from December 8th. And actually for I think the only time since we've been doing this, the only time in 1982, Mike, This is actually a three-week TV taping because there are matches for the next week's show, which are also taped here. So that's December 25th. The week after that is the best of 1982. So this is the final seating arrangement in 1982 for Hank.
1: And we see him. So we know without (laughs) a doubt he made it through 1982 because, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You and I, our first pass through Mid-South, we weren't paying attention to Hank. We were watching wrestling, and now Hank has taken on a life of his own, and we see that he has made it through 82. So we'll have to see how far he makes it into 83 if he makes it through the end because, like we both say all the time, neither one of us remember.
0: Well, let's go to the open of the show now. Cowboy Bill Watts, thankfully, back this week, and let's hear what him and Boyd have to say about this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling.
2: I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and as usual, lots of exciting action. Dr. Chavo Guerrero is here. The big Ugandan warrior, Kamala, will be on this week's card. It'll be headlined by a Louisiana heavyweight championship match as Hacksaw Jim Duggan defends his coveted title and belt against the challenge of the man from Roanoke, Virginia, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. Tag team action, a non-title belt. It'll be Matt Bourne and Ted DiBiase, the Mid-South Tag Team title holders, against mr racing to and stagger lee also mr olympia is here against gorgeous gino hernandez lots of great action the man to my left we need no introduction to mid south fans whether it's in the ring or out cowboy bill watts our guest commentator well, boy it should be an exciting evening uh, some great bouts tony
3: Allison, and hacksaw dugan for that louisiana title and of course the non title tag match and later on paul bosch the preeminent promoter from houston texas and great commentator man who's been in broadcasting for 50 years will join you here, but it gives me a lot of pleasure to be back here, and I'm kind of a spokesman right now for Mr. Wrestling 2. People have been noticing how nervous and edgy and upset he is. He's made a couple of comments in the ring, but this is the type of thing that's been going on for Wrestling 2, this, this mental mind game, this this defiling of, his, of, his, of similar equipment to his. Somebody has copied his equipment and they're defiling it. It's almost like a voodoo type thing or a witch doctor type thing. And you can see here it said, Mr. Two, have a good hard look and remember when. Something out of his past. And of course, they've taken this mannequin, covered it with a mask similar to Wrestling Two's, wrapped it in gauze mm-hmm. with the crimson in front signifying a bad injury. So this is what has got Wrestling Two so upset. He doesn't know the direction the input or the thrust or who it is. And I just want to say that it's really low for somebody to have to stoop like this. This is supposed to be a man's business where if you've got a beef with somebody, you step out and you take them on one-on-one and settle it. And whoever it is, be warned and also come on out and state your case right here with Grizzly Smith. He'll put you right in the ring with wrestling, too, and you can do whatever you're
2: man enough to do. And the first match is in the ring. Let's go for the introduction and research about
0: Well, there we hear it, Mike, the open of the show. Bill Watt's back. Paul Bosch will be with us later in the show, but it's the continuation of this saga, the mind games that are being played on Mr. Wrestling 2, these notes, these ransom notes, these, I guess now it's not just a dirty mask, now it's a mask on a mannequin head with what would seem to be blood on it. And uh, this is the top of the show, so obviously this is a major issue here. It's a major issue, and again, we need to give them
1: credit. They are we've as all as we've talked about, we've gone through not gone through, but we've seen the Thagger Lee saga and with JYD leaving and to introduce this storyline, which they did a few weeks ago is good. We're still speculating and we're going to continue to speculate for a few more weeks over what the heck is going on. Who is this stalking to who is writing these letters? It's um, very Disturbing, if you think about it, in a way. I know when I was watching it as a kid, uh, it was kind of scary. Especially this moment when they show the mask with the blood on it and the gauze around the head. It was, um, it was really eerie. I mean, it 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 had everything besides that that eerie music you would hear in like a horror film when they would show something like that. And again, I, I'm telling you. I'm stating what I'm saying through the perspective of a seven to eight year old. So I understand if you're 30, 40 plus, or, you know, even in your twenties, you're not going to feel that same way, but I'm talking about it from that perspective originally when I say that. So they're, they're, they're dragging this story along. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They're taking their time. They're telling the story and we need to figure out who the hell is stalking Mr. Wrestling Two. conventional wisdom. We've talked about would be someone in Akbar stable, but, Who knows? We'll have to see what's going on.
0: Who knows? Because while this is happening, obviously Akbar now aligned with Kamala, has Kamala on a hunt for masks, which we'll talk about more later in the show. But we then get our first match, Mike. It is Chavo Guerrero versus Marty Lundy with Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's play a little bit of audio from the start of this match. Cowboy Bill Watts, a little bit about Chavo's size. This is going to be a recurring topic in some of Chavo's matches where Watts brings up, yes, he is a smaller guy, but don't let that stop the way you view him. He is as good as any of the heavyweights. Let's hear this right now.
2: In the black tights, Marty Lundy, and shedding his colorful jacket, the half-line popper Chavo Guerrero, Alfred Neely calls for the bell action underway. Here's Bill Watts. Travel girl an
3: exciting star a man that uh, although smaller in stature He conducts himself in the ring as a super heavyweight. He uh, he has that power and that balance He has that tremendous uh, punching power if he gets in a fight. He's got the wrestling skills you know, Eric Weiss, who was a national champion from Oklahoma State University, and he's ranked about number three in the world in freestyle, I once asked him uh, what he pattern he's wrestling after, and he said when he was a youngster, he's now a 190-pounder, and he weighs about 225 offseason. He said he watched the smaller guys, and he figured in order to be great to be a big man, you had to wrestle like a small man. Well, here's Chavo Guerrero with all that ability of the small man, the quickness, the lightning speed, the reflexes, but he's got that inherent power Something like a Danny Hodge. You can all remember Danny Hodge the great world's junior heavyweight champion. And even though he only weighed 220, he could take the measure of any man he ever got in the ring with. And this Chavo Guerrero seems to be cut in the same vein.
0: Well, there you hear it. High compliments from Mid-South Wrestling comparing you to Danny Hodge. And Watts is doing everything he can. Although, I don't know if the fans are really thinking, "I like, go, oh, this is a smaller guy. Because Chavo doesn't look that small. Maybe in height, but. You know, he's not like a very tiny, thin guy or anything, but Watt's doing everything he can to make sure that the audience knows that this is a serious competitor. And, you know, again, this is going to be a recurring theme. He does this for a few weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I don't... That I, I like Watt's,
1: you know, talking about Chavo and, and, you know, him being smaller. But he's. you're right, he's not really small. I mean, he's in there with Marty Lundy and yeah Marty Lundy's a little taller than him, but he doesn't tower over him. I mean maybe he's saying that because if he's in there with some of the like bigger guys in the territory you can you can see the distinct size difference. but I'm with you; he's not really really small, but what I will say is he also explains the effectiveness of his moves and and whatnot and it's it is a theme over the next couple of weeks and 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 they've talked about it a little bit before as well um so I, I give Watts credit there, but let's let's also know that, you know, Chavo, is he's not a really, really, really small guy. I mean, I think if you put him next to like a Ricky Morton, I'm betting he's bigger than Ricky Morton back then. I'm not talking about like weight-wise, I'm talking about height.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely he was. And actually, you'll see that in a few years in Mid-South Wrestling when it's the Guerreros versus the Rock and Roll Express. But, Mike, before we play a little bit more audio from this match, any notes on Chavo versus a young Arn Anderson, Marty Lundy?
1: Yeah, I know you're going to talk about that. We're going to play and talk about probably the finish. But when he hits that, he he looks good in the ring. The crowd wasn't they they weren't quiet, but they were it was taking him a while to get into it, in my opinion. But he he hit that dive on uh, Marty Lundy on the floor right before the finish. I thought that looked really, really good. And uh, it just these two had a nice, solid match. For this, I mean, not, even, not just for this time period, but just in general. Nice, solid match. Marty Lundy looks great bumping for Chavo. Chavo's hitting his, you know, kicks and hit, like I said, his dive over the top rope. Just really good stuff from these two. Believable stuff. Let me say it like that.
0: You know, it is weird with the crowd for this show because it's a lot darker than usual in the bleachers. And when you try to look, you see that it appears that there are holes. Even though this is only the second hour of the television taping. It appears that it's not a full crowd. And by the end of this, you will see empty seats, especially on the side where Hank is sitting. But that's one of the things about this. Even though it is early, relatively early in the taping, the crowd seems to be somewhat thinned out. They seem to be a little bit subdued. There, A lot of them are wearing jackets. I mean, it is December, so it may be cold. But it is a little bit of a different feel to the crowd. Even the kid in the yellow shirt's wearing a coat.
1: I I think it comes, Brian, I think it comes back to what we talked about in previous episodes. We've had a lot of hot, hot stuff happen in the last month, month and a half. And we're in that. This is not a disrespectful term I'm about to say, but we're in a bit of a lull right now. The main story, I mean, we still got Stagger Lee around here and we got some other stuff going on. But the main story is the people are waiting to see what's going on with two. Now we've transitioned to that. Stagger Lee is still here and we've still got that going on with DiBiase, Matt Bourne, all that stuff. But, you know, dog is gone. So we're now sitting kind of waiting a little bit to see. Well, what's going to happen? So there's folks, I think they're sitting there and they know what's going on with two. I mean, they, they, they don't know who it is, but they're like, all right, we're waiting for the for the payoff here. What what's the deal? What's going to happen? And I think I personally, I think that's kind of what we're seeing here uh, with the crowd as they watch these matches, because it's going to be a theme this weekend, next week as well. I, I notice that there's there's some quietness with the crowd. as it kind of like you said, they're a little subdued.
0: Well, another one of the main programs is obviously Kamala. Kamala going after all the masked wrestlers. We have a little bit of news about that because Kamala's going to be in the next match versus Lester Parks, but let's hear what Cowboy Bill Watts has to say about that during his Chavo match.
3: An unusual match coming up, Boyd, and uh, we'll be revealing it as we go on as Lester Parks is going to wrestle Kamala, the Ugandan warrior that's now leased by Skandar Akbar. But Akbar has paid this man, Lester Parks, a bonus to wear a mask in that match. And in talking to Skandar Akbar, I said, That's a little bit ridiculous. Everybody knows who Lester Parks is. He said, That has nothing to do with it. He said, When you have a savage like Kamala, small things mean a lot to him. He likes to, beating a man is not the most important thing. He wants something to show him the victory. He said, I've got this man putting his mask on, and I've told Kamala, if he beats him, he can tear the mask off. Well, you can feel, figure Akbar, to come out with some devious, diabolical plan in order to train this big savage, go after the mask, and we know it could be the mask of Stagger Lee, because I'm sure Ted DiBiase has offered a ton of money to reveal Stagger Lee's identity to force a forfeit on the North American title. Or could it be Wrestling II's mask? Or Mr. Olympia's mask. Marty Lundy going for the big score on Chavo Guerrero. But Chavo moved quickly, get out of the way, rolling to give himself time to clear his head. Oftentimes you'll see a fighter in the ring just trying to box himself out of a little trouble by moving away. Well, Chavo Guerrero put some distance between them. When Marty Lundy came in, a drop kick rather low, right into the solar plexus.
0: Well, they heard a little bit of news about the next match. Kamala, Skandar Akbar paying Lester Parks to wear a mask as obviously Kamala is in training to just destroy any masked wrestler he sees. The uh, finish of this match, Chavo wins with a dropkick off the second rope and then a standing senton to Marty Lundy. And from there, we get the next match, as mentioned. Kamala with General Skandar Akbar and Friday versus Lester Parks, who is wearing a mask, and Rick Ferreira is the referee. This is relatively quick. Mike, any thoughts, any notes about this match?
1: lester parks looks goofy with the mask i don't i mean it's just very it's kind of like it's got a little bit of hokiness to it i I gotta admit you know when you watch it through 2019 eyes but uh i don't have much from it kamala wins quickly and uh pins parks and then rips the mask off of him and puts it on the end of his spear
0: lester parks also has a weird way of bumping i don't know how well trained he was here i mean that's something we, i guess we have to look into but That's part of the story. Kamala isn't just going after the mask guys. He's now taking these masks and putting them on his spear as trophies. Did that scare you as a kid? I don't know if that
1: scared me, but it's just... It's it's funny when in, in I don't think that scared me as a kid. Kamala just scared me as a kid. But it's funny through 2019 eyes. It's like he's, um you know, it's like a duck hunter or a deer hunter who who brings the duck and the deer home and uh, hasn't hasn't mounted that. That's what it's equivalent to, I guess, to me. Um, I agree with you when you look at Parks, the way he not only bumps, but hits the ropes. He's very awkward looking. And I don't know how much training he would have had at this point, just the way he kind of does
0: it. Well, from there, we get a main event caliber match in the middle of this show. The Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne versus Stagger Lee, the North American Champion, and Mr. Wrestling 2, the Mississippi State Champion, with Alfred Neely as the referee. We're going to play a few moments here of Bill Watts opening up the match, because there's a lot he has to talk about. First of all, one interesting thing you'll hear him mention, the fans, because now they're so mad at DiBiase, they're chanting Freebirds at DiBiase because of the Freebirds Ted DiBiase feud in 1981 on Georgia wrestling television. So that's a little bit of an interesting thing that Bill Watts says there and also how DiBiase is running out of time to unmask Staggerly. Let's hear the opening minutes of this match.
2: Staggerly. Mr. Racing 2, Bill. Boy, well, Boyd Pierce, it's hot and heavy
3: out there. The crowd is really, DiBiase and Morn have attracted a crowd. Before they, their opponents came out, they were hollering, Freebirds, Freebirds, Freebirds. Everybody knows the run in DiBiase has had with the Freebirds and Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts. And then when Mr. Wrestling 2 and Stagger Lee came out, the crowd really went wild hollering, 2 2 2. The music of Stagger Lee brought them all to its feet. And of course, there's just a little less than a month left in the period of time that DeBiase has to get Stagger Lee's mask off to reveal whether or not it's the junkyard dog under there, because if he can get that mask off, and it is the junkyard dog, the North American title that's carried by Stagger Lee, who he won in the Superdome on Thanksgiving night, and you were there, Boyd, with your back to the ring at a very crucial moment, and I can't say that I blame you then the title would be forfeited back to DiBiase, and the Junkyard Dog would be suspended from Mid-South for one year. But right now, it's all in the ring. Non-title match, very important bout. Could be a dynamite team, a tremendous team. Stagger Lee, the rugged ruffian who claims no formal education, claims he spent a lot of time in a place where there's not a lot of sunshine, making license plates, but one thing he also claims is he's the only man that ever whipped the junkyard dog. He used to take his milk money on the way to school, and the dog, when he lost and had to leave Mid South for 90 days, he called Staggerly to come here and take care of DiBiase. Staggerly has come, and he's gotten right into the conflict not only of DiBiase, Born, Dugan, but Kamala, the Ugandan warrior. But now he's teamed with a man who will ask no quarter, give none. A rough, rugged, mysterious individual, a man upset by somebody defiling his equipment or similar equipment, almost in a voodoo-like spell, trying to cast a hex on him or try to confuse him and make him wonder which direction his next attacker's coming from. It could be one of those men out there in the audience in that ring right now. It could be Divyasi. It could be Bourne. It could be Dugan. It could be Akbar, the way he seems to have the big Ugandan incensed. With gaining a victory to get a mask to add to his trophy stick.
0: Boy, there's a lot of ground that Watts covers there, Mike. One thing I want to point out, he doesn't blame Boyd Pierce for turning around when JYD was exposed as being staggeringly, allegedly, in the Superdome.
1: Yeah, uh, I blame him. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about that on that episode. Like, come on, Boyd. You know, it, Boyd's exact words was, I, "I don't have time to be a star witness." Okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Whatever. You could have kept looking and just said you didn't see it. Don't say you turned around, Boyd, but I'm not going to hold that against Boyd Pierce. He did cover a lot of ground there. I I feel like it was pretty self-explanatory, but I will say the thing he started out with was um, talking about how, you know, DiBiase is only, it's hard to believe, but here we are, you know, we're already into mid December. DiBiase, half of the time is pretty much expired related to being able to unmask Stagger Lee. So, it's now a race to see if they'll even be able to unmask him on time. And not that they have to. It's not like if they don't unmask him, they're going to have to leave the territory. But that's been a big thing, you know, from the time that they beat him, him being the dog, they've talked about, we got to get this guy out of here. You know, this is this is bullcrap. We need to unmask him so we can – because it, here's the thing. The reason I – well, now that I think about it, the reason it does make sense that they would need to unmask him before the 90 days is – the watch has said, well, if you do unmask him and prove it to be the dog, not only is he going to be for not gone for 90 days, he's going to be gone for a year, for one full year um so that there there is something to that I guess now that I think about it some more uh getting him out of there and getting that getting him on mass but uh, like you said Watts covered a whole lot there and I want to say one more thing about the crowd you can definitely see as you watch this there are pockets in the bleachers that are empty which is really really weird like you said um I don't know if it's because it's getting close to Christmas and people are out doing other things who knows but um you know they that I felt like the crowd came more alive definitely for this match and and, I mean it makes sense you got you got the Rat Pack and you got Wrestling 2 and Stagger Lee in there slash JYD so of course they're going to come alive here.
0: Well let's listen to the closing moments of this match Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne versus Stagger Lee and Mr. Wrestling 2
3: One thing that can really get it to come uncorked is somebody messing with his mask Oh look at him deliver those forearm smashes and he gets the tag to Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee's in the ring Matt Bourne, Staggerly and Matt Bourne, legally in the ring, but DiBiase's in. All four of Maria. Referee Ralph Neely having a hard time containing it. You can understand why. Double close line. Matt Bourne's on the floor. Referee Neely putting two out. The crowd's hollering, warning Ralph Neely that Bourne nearly caught him. Neely caught him and made him get off the top rope. That would have been illegal, but now DiBiase is going for Staggerly's Fast, but Wrestling 2 decapitated him with that devastating knee lift. Now he's got a, he's illegal in the ring. Four team with the top rope with the but almost up the Stairly, caught him a right. A victory for the team of Stairly and Mr. Wrestling 2. A convincing, resounding, the people to
2: their feet. Boy, there's a great foul, listen, to come and Staggerly. And coming up next, the Louisiana heavyweight title, Hacksaw Dugan, defending against Mr. USA Tony Atlas after this important word.
0: Well, you were right, Mike, the crowd absolutely comes alive during this match, and big pop there at the end, big pop when Staggerly punches Matt Bourne when he comes off the top rope, good match, and it becomes even a better match because the fans do get really into it. Well yeah, and it was because of
1: the it was because of the way they did the finish. I mean, they end up in a they end up in this four way and then, you know, Staggerly and DiBiase, both they they close line each other and they take a bump. And Matt Bourne, who was then on the outside, he's like he's gonna take advantage of it. So he starts going to the top rope, but then, you know, Alfred Neely gets him to come off the top rope and says, no, 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 we're not going to do this. While Alfred Neely's back is turned, it's beautiful. Two comes in, and he big knees DiBiase. DiBiase then goes down, and then Bourne then again tries the whoopee cushion. But before he can hit it, Stagger Lee comes in and hits him in the stomach as Bourne is coming off the top rope. Two comes in to, to make the save, hits DiBiase with the knee, the crowd is going nuts during all of this as Staggerly then pins Bourne from simply punching him in the gut as Bourne came off the top rope looking for the whoopee cushion. And the crowd, they're chanting too. They're up on their feet. And as quiet as they were earlier, they're back into it now. And, um,. You know, I he, we saw a lot of people kind of cheering DiBiase when he turned earlier. You know, in the year, well, midway point through the year. I mean, it was summertime. Man, I don't know if I saw many cheers. Uh, you know, or or people going, oh no, we didn't like that. There were the whole crowd was definitely into it and was cheering Lee and two right there on that finish, and they came alive. That was some good stuff.
0: You know, another thing too with Mister Wrestling Two delivering that needed to DiBiase, you heard it. And when there aren't a million guys doing thigh slaps on a show when one guy does it for his million dollar knee lift it really stands out it's a sound you don't hear anywhere else on the show when he hits DiBiase with it you could feel it because you could hear it
1: and that's a great that's a that's a great point the the thing about the knee lift two was really good at when you would hit that knee lift and, and if you ever slap somebody across the back it, it sounds off i mean it it's you know you you hear it and when he would hit that knee lift, he would slap those guys across the back and it sounded like a firecracker. And part of it, you know, and we know, we know it's fake. We know it ain't real. We we can see it obviously, even to this day. But it was the way two did it, and he would wind up and he would hit it so crisp and clean. And then he was working with guys that generally knew how to sell it. I say generally, obviously not everyone took it great, but even on that save right there at the very end. He, the, well, he hit, well, he punched DiBiase, but when he hit DiBiase with that knee at one point in that finish, it was beautiful. He hits him, he slaps him across the back, pop. You know, like you said, the pop sounds off, and not everybody's hitting the super kick and hitting their thigh back then. So it makes a difference.
0: Well, from there, we get our next match, Mike. Hacksaw Duggan, the Louisiana state champion, versus Tony Atlas with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Before we get to this match, we have a little bit of action before the bell because Tony Atlas gets on the mic. Let's hear this, and then we'll talk about everything else.
2: And now a title match for the Louisiana Heavyweight Championship. This event. Let me say one thing. Hey, Saul Dugan.
3: don't think about you, brother. You need to learn some respect. Now, you come out here,
0: and you talk about a lot of people, and you say you got the dog down. Well, I'm going to do one thing, brother. I come down here to whoop you for J.Y.D. So every time I punch you in them big old lips of yours, you think about J.Y.D. Let me tell you something, Atlas. Hacksaw Duggan's not a hard man to find. I'm right here in this ring right now, and I think all them big puff muscles you got on your arm are nothing but garbage, and I know that this big... Is this for that belt? Is this for that belt? It is, it well, is. I don't mean no harm or nothing, sir, but will you please just move on out the way?
2: Now you have it. Tony Ellis getting a shot at the Louisiana Heavyweight
0: Championship belt. Well, there you hear it. You don't get to see Reese smiling as Tony Atlas pushes him out of the way. Just smiling so cool. as he walks out of the ring.
1: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he held it together for a while. I got to give Reese credit. He held it together for a while. You know, when Atlas first grabs a mic, he's talking and Reese's holding it together. He's got a straight face. And then when Hacksaw grabs a mic, he Reese's holding it together. But when when Atlas starts asking, is that for that belt, sir? I don't know why that popped Reeser, but Reeser all of a sudden turned into Comedy Hour. Um, he he just couldn't hold it together, and he's laughing, laughing. And it's not a smirk. He's laughing and smiling. Uh, come on, Reeser. Jesus, help us.
0: I like to, I don't know what Duggan was originally going to say, but when he gets on the mic, he goes, Hey, let me tell you, Atlas, all those muscles on your arms, I think they are garbage. I've never heard someone say garbage that way, so I think he was going to say something else and he just, at the last second, said, I better say garbage (laughs) (laughs) here.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: Well, it's a match between these two, and funny enough, a few listeners have written in, Mike, and said, you know, these two ended up, like, in real life, feuding on that Legends House show the WWE did on their network years later. They did not get along. They lived in the same house with each other, and they did not get along at all. And here they are in this match, and you could almost it almost feels like they don't get along here. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure they got along just fine, but it doesn't feel like they're working to show that they don't like each other here. And the match begins with an arm wrestling spot where Tony Atlas just starts slamming Duggan's hand into the mat one time after another to get the crowd into it. Any thoughts or notes about the actual body of this match, Mike? I I guess you can,
1: I guess like, you know, some people would say the whole arm wrestling thing may have been a little comedy. I want to point that out because I feel like someone will say that uh, to us on Twitter or whatnot. But, um, the, let me say this, if they they made it believable the the match. I mean, it was like they really didn't like each other, and and it, and, and I'm sure they am sure they were Duggan and Atlas were fine, and and the whole Legends House thing. I have not seen that, so let me just state that to everyone. I, I've not watched that, but I'm skeptical on reality TV, especially reality TV that pertains to something with wrestling, because you're already using a worked sport to make a worked television show so um i'm sure that was produced in a way to maybe make it look like there was more heat between the two than there was i say that also like i said saying i did not see it so i, I let me point that out maybe one day i'll find the time to go back and watch it but i haven't seen it as far as a match brian from after the arm wrestling spot these two kind of got after it man it were there wasn't flips and dives, but, you know, they were dropping some elbows and punches on each other that um looked pretty damn good, if you ask me. Uh, what were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I thought they were really good together. I'm a fan of Tony Atlas at this point in his career. I think he does good promos. I think he wrestles in a unique way. He does moves that, you know, whether it's the punches that are kind of like overhand or whatever he does, it looks unique. It looks different. It stands out. And I think him and Duggan are kind of great here because it's two real personalities, strong personalities, just butting heads and going at it. Of course, we have a little more audio we're going to play here, and that's of the finishing moments of this match because some big stuff happens here. DiBiase and Bourne come out. Referee Rick Ferreira ends up taking a really good ref bump, like perfectly timed, takes it well. But also, during this period of time at the end of the match, Bill Watts utters a phrase for the very first time on Mid-South Wrestling about this group. Let's hear that right now.
3: And Hacksaw is down on the floor. Hacksaw trying to collect his wits. Hacksaw trying to collect his wits. DiBiase out there. Matt Bourne calling for time. DiBiase with a towel. Wiping the sweat off of Hacksaw. Trying to, to re gear him there. Ricky Barrar wants to see what's in that towel. That's smart referees checking out that towel. Tony Alice keeping on. Matt Bourne sneaking up from behind, but Tony Alice has caught him. Atlas caught him, and his headbutt him, DiBiase had a protest, Atlas pulled DiBiase into the ring, he has forced DiBiase into the ring, and Atlas whipping him, Ricky Ferrara got caught in the way, what's Hacksaw Dugan over there sneaking in, Hacksaw Dugan sneaking in, there's Atlas, Hacksaw Dugan putting on something, Hacksaw putting on something, and he's speared Tony Atlas, Hacksaw Dugan has speared Tony Atlas. Something came flying off his head. He's put it in his tights. He's got Tony Atlas down. And referee Rick Ferrara making the count. Hacksaw Dugan winning this
2: match. The Rat Pack. The Rat Pack. We'll be back, Bill. Mr. Olympia versus gorgeous Gino Hernandez when things settle here after this one.
0: Well, there you hear it for the first time, the Rat Pack. Ted DiBiase, Hacksaw Duggan, and Matt Bourne. There's a few female fans in the front row jumping for joy when Duggan pins Atlas, but everyone else is stunned. Mike, any thoughts, any notes about the end of this match, about them officially being declared the Rat Pack? And what exactly was it that Duggan put on his head? Was it a coal miner's glove for the head? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i don't know what the hell it was but he's gonna use it more than once uh he he puts this weird looking gimmick hat on his head and he spears tony uh atlas and ricky ferrara comes up from the bump and counts council one two three i will say this i liked the fact that you know, Atlas loses, but something that really needs to be pointed out here is it really took three men to beat him. Um, and it also took Ricky Ferreira to be kind of liberal in his thoughts on um, officiating the match because he could have easily called a DQ, you know, the, during the first interruption of it with DiBiase getting in the ring and, and Bourne getting in the ring. So he didn't. But I mean, I, to make the point, like Atlas, Matt Bourne tries to sneak Atlas, Atlas bumps him. DiBiase tries to come in and do something, but you know atlas gets him and it takes Doug and then cheating to finally beat him with a loaded head spear i guess is what i want to call it because i have no clue what the hell he puts on his head it just it's like a it ain't even a fisherman's hat it's just is that like a pilot's hat i have no clue i can't tell it's like but a sack
0: it's not even like a hat it's like he puts on the sack that jason Voorhees had on his head before he found the hockey mask i don't know what it is
1: I, I, yeah, and and we're to led to believe that it must have some lead in it or steel and loaded. And he then spears Atlas. But the point being, it took not only three guys to beat Atlas, uh, for you know for Duggan to retain, um, but it took him to beat Atlas with with the hat being loaded with the spear. So he couldn't even. Not only could he not beat him fair and square, it took three men to take this to almost take this man down. So uh, I think although Atlas loses. He's still strong. I mean, you can't debate whether or not, you know, he didn't just go out there and get pinned in two minutes like you see on Raw these days. And he he was, he was, he was booked strong there, even in a loss. That's like, to me, and and I'm no professor, you know, I'm not the greatest wrestling person in the mind in the world, but if you're going to book somebody strong in a loss, that's how you do it right there.
0: Well, coming out of that match, Mike, we get a match where someone isn't booked strong in a loss. The next match is Gino Hernandez versus Mr. Olympia with Alfred Neely as the referee. And Paul Bosch returns on commentary for this match. Any thoughts or notes about this match? Gino Hernandez versus a longtime regular now at this point, 1982, in Mid-South Wrestling, Mr. Olympia.
1: I, I don't have, like, thoughts on, on the actual holes in the match and whatnot. I mean, it, it's fine. It's It's, you know, it's Gino... It's Mister Olympia, so you're gonna these two aren't gonna have a bad match. I, what I will say is, Bosch is good on commentary, but he he's he's matter of fact, and we talked about this the, the last time. He's matter of fact, and he calls it straight. Um, you know, down the line, meaning hole for hole, what the wrestlers are doing. He's he that's all he's explaining. What you missed here is, and I think you'll agree, whenever a major angle, I don't say major angle, but whenever something would go down in a previous match, the very first thing that Watts would talk about in the next match is he'll start recapping it and kind of reset things and take a breath. And I thought that's what was missing here as we went to the Geno and Olympia match right here.
0: I agree. I think, especially considering the finish of this match, Bill Watts would have really been helpful on commentary. But one thing we've noticed that Bosch when being there, doesn't just do commentary, but Specifically, he ends up doing commentary on the Gino Hernandez matches, and obviously there's a long-standing relationship between him and Gino at this period of time. The finish of this match, relatively surprising. Gino pins Mr. Olympia with the second rope back elbow drop that he does. That's it. Clean finish. Gino pins Olympia. Any thoughts, Mike?
1: Very, very strange. Uh, Would you agree? I thought at least.
0: You know, knowing what we know now, being smarter fans, fans exposed to a lot of different things in wrestling. You look at it and you say, either they're finishing him up or they're preparing him for something completely different. Cause why else would he do a job? to Gino, who is not really working any programs. He's just been working TV since the Houston relationship started.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense.
0: The other thing too,
1: did you notice at the end, how Gino suplexes Olympia back into the ring and he goes for the three count and the ref goes, Alfred Neely goes, no, 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 no. He stopped the finish and he made, <laughs> it was really weird because he, he was in the middle of pinning him and Olympia wasn't going to get up. He made him go to the second rope to hit his finisher. I, did you notice that? I did. It was a little weird. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. I, I, I don't either. I'm like, what, what, what went down there? But the match, the match was fine, but they really needed, Watts needed to be on commentary after what we just saw with Atlas and Duggan.
0: Yeah, plus also, because he hasn't been used, I guess, in the right way, maybe, Gino's not exactly super over with the studio, not studio, but with the Irish McNeil audience at this point yet. You know, he's just been coming in and winning matches. He hasn't really done anything. So I agree. So they're invested in Olympia. They're not really invested in Gino yet.
1: I agree. There's There's a lot to that. I mean he he he's book strong he being Gino but it's it's re- it's kind of if you're an, if you're a member of the audience it's a little weird because you've seen this man now and he's won a bunch won some matches but I don't know if tv wise you're you're totally invested in him yet as a, as a character and I understand Bosch is out there doing his commentary trying to talk about Gino but I it's um it's it's He hasn't fully, he has not captivated the the fans uh, in Mid-South at this point in 82.
0: Our next match, John and Rick Davidson versus the team of Iron Mike Sharp and Tim Horner with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We get an announcement during this match from Boyd Pierce about what we're going to see on next week's show coming out of what we saw earlier on this show. Let's hear that right now.
2: Well, there's the introduction of the tag team match as rick Ferrera says give me one man from each team before the match starts but i have a message that has just come down from the wrestling office the matchmaker has said next week is made it official it's all back where it started because next week the contestants that was in this week's wild melee in a non-title match mr racing 2 and stagger lee versus ted libiasi and matt bourne but next week It'll be, for the Mid-South Tag Team title, a championship on the line, one fall, no disqualification. And, Paul, the loser of the fall must leave the Mid-South area. So it's back where it started. At one time, it's Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne against Mr. Racing 2 and the Junkyard Dog. Next week, it'll be Mr. Racing 2 and Stagger Lee. Right now, Tag Team... You did say right here
1: on television. Exactly. And up in the ring, it is Rick Davidson, who has just been knocked down... By Iron
3: Mike Sharp. But that was great news, Boyd Pierce. And I know fans will be pulling up their
1: chairs and leaving them in front of the television set for next week.
0: Well, there you hear it, Mike. A big, big match next week. A rematch Stagger Lee and Mr. Wrestling 2 against the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne now christened the Rat Pack. Two-thirds of the Rat Pack. No disqualification. Loser of the fall leaves town. Like they just said, we're right back where we started.
1: We're right back where we started, we don't know how long they're gonna have to leave town, whether it be sixty or ninety days, but it is interesting that we're right back where we started uh with this thing, so very, very interesting, you gotta love it um. Because I, you start thinking about it now, it's like, all right, well, so one of the guys who had to leave town last time was Junkyard Dog, but now he's in this same match, except he's Stagger Lee. But we're not supposed to think it's a dog. It's a, uh, it's very amusing when you look at it through uh, today's eyes. But uh, we'll we'll have to see what happens. I will tell you this: you know, when you when when an announcement is made like that, that basically sets the hook for next week. You're like, well, I can't miss it, you know, and that's that's good storytelling because you can't miss it.
0: You can certainly missed the last two matches on this show. Oh man! Uh, but John and Rick Davidson versus Iron Mike Sharp and Tim Horner. I don't have too many notes here, Mike. At one point, Sharp and then Horner went after the other, throw drop kicks, and they're really not good, uh, drop kicks. Surprising for Tim Horner. Uh, they win when Mike Sharp hits a clothesline on one of the Davidsons. Any thoughts or notes about this match?
1: I think you nailed the thoughts and notes in the finish right there. Not a good match, but um, you know, Horner and Sharp win and um. Yeah, that's all I had.
0: The final match on this week's episode, Kelly Kaniski versus Buddy Landell with Alfred Neely as the referee. This match drags a bit in my eyes. It goes on maybe a little too long in my eyes. Maybe they were just trying to fill up some TV time at the end of the year. I'm not sure. At one point, I guess Buddy got busted open, and I think it was Hardway based on what Bosch was saying, that it was over the eyebrow. And they go to a time limit draw. TV time runs out. Any... Thoughts or notes about this match or anything else, Mike?
1: Well, I thought it was interesting. And again, Boyd Pierce does reiterate the high stakes in the tag match that's going to happen next week that they mentioned in the match before. But when Boyd brings it up, Bosch is like, yes, that's good. And then he like immediately gets back to the match. And again, it's just, it's just an example of uh, the difference between like Watts and you know paul bosch so i that was my only note it, it's it's not a terrible thing but it's just you can that's a good example of the difference you see between like when watts is calling these matches versus someone else um and I, and bosch, bosch was good they, they, these guys they, they they did go they did go a long time it was like they were trying to fill up time so uh buddy landell looks so young here oh my
0: well with that another week of mid-south wrestling is wrapped up and as we wrap up this show, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. And you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor. The 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and Booking the Territory?
1: Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it. I try to post clips of the shows that Brian and I are discussing and some of the uh, different angles we see and spots we see and whatnot. And then come listen to Booking the Territory twice per week. Uh, you can find us. Just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from or search tinyurl.com slash bttpod. And we do two shows a week. On Thursday nights, we drop our NWA Saturday night shows. And on Sunday nights, we drop our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps. The show is very unprofessional and not politically correct, as myself, Doc Turner, and Hardbody Hopper tell terrible jokes but have fun watching and reliving classic professional wrestling. Brian, this was another fun episode, and I look forward to, I guess I'll call it the Christmas episode of 1982 next week.
0: The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tell ho